Hey there, Laura here. I want to mention that for the month of December, we're going to be taking a much needed Christmas break. But don't worry, there will still be new episodes each week. For December, we are jumping back to share some of the most viewed sessions for the 2020 Church Mental Health Summit. I can't wait to share some of these fantastic talks and resources with you. and a sense of joy and sheer delight. There's so many things that we try and study about what predicts good outcomes for children. Is it your education? Is it their skills? Is it their social skills? But over and over, what comes out as a, one of the biggest factors in terms of the, determining outcomes in children is this importance about joy and sheer delight in relationship as they grow and develop. While it's important to have rules and disciplines, it's important to get that balance right too. So, for example, you want to make sure that you have regular time that you might spend with your children regardless of good and behave, good or bad behaviour. And to make this time together that, that's unconditional, rather than just spending time together as a, be, as a reward for good behaviour. And this is the way that our God, Heavenly Father loves us, and that's the way He relates to us in an unconditional love, regardless of what we do or don't do, what we produce, or not produce. From Hope Made Strong, this is the Care Ministry Podcast, a show about equipping ministry leaders and transforming communities through care. Supporting those in your church and community not only changes individuals' lives, but it grows and strengthens the church. But we want to do that without burning out. So listen in as we learn about tools, strategies, and resources that will equip your team and strengthen hope. I'm Laura Howe, and welcome to the Care Ministry Podcast. The show today is a flashback to one of the top viewed sessions from the 2020 Church Mental Health Summit called Raising Resilient Families with Dr. Danny Chia. Dr. Chia is a child and adolescent psychiatrist in Melbourne, Australia. He leads a team of 70 mental health professionals, but also lectures on adolescent development and adolescent depression for the University of Melbourne. So to say he's qualified to speak on how to support resiliency in our young people and families is pretty much an understatement. And having had a few conversations with Dr. Chia, I can say that he's a pretty awesome brother in Christ too. He speaks to churches integrating his faith, professional experience, and to address stigma in the church community. In preparation for this podcast, I re-listened to the presentation from Dr. Chia. Now, I have listened to this session at least twice before, but again, I was blown away by the helpful reminders. Now, I don't want to spoil this episode for anyone, but Dr. Chia says something right in the middle of his talk that made me push pause and really reflect. Like, I actually stopped the recording and just sat there in my seat reflecting. I'm sharing my experience because when we start talking about kids and parenting, you can experience a flood of guilt and only think of those times where you feel like you have failed. And I experienced this too, but that's not the intention of this talk. I encourage you to listen to this session to grow in your skills to support others, but also to hear that it's the small things that have the most impact. Take the pressure off yourself. You don't have to be a superhero parent to raise resilient family. Dr. Chia highlights the importance of being emotionally available to your family members. 
that this simple strategy of intentionality is probably the biggest factor in building resilient families. And of course, mom guilt set in as I sat there listening, and I immediately thought of the previous night's bedtime with my 10 and 8-year-old, where I was so tired of saying, brush your teeth, get your pajamas on, over and over again, that by the time they actually got into bed, I was frustrated, and I gave them a quick hug and walked away without much conversation. Now, I know not every night can have a heart-to-heart conversation, but in Dr. Chia's statement, I never really considered that those quick moments of engaging with one another and sharing emotions are more valuable in building resilience than most of the things that I do as a parent. It's not the extra activities and lessons. It's not being exposed to different cultures or experiences. It's not even the healthy meals and vitamins that I force them to eat. It's those brief moments of being present with each other. As I sat there in silence, I reflected on when those connection moments actually happen, and my kids want to share their life with me at pretty much the most inconvenient times. And while my kids are young, I don't think this changes with time. It's the late night talks. It's when you're sitting in the parking lot needing to go inside. It's when you're putting your shoes on when you're about to go out or you've had a very long day and you have nothing left to give. When we're on the job caring for others, we probably would never brush off someone's need to share, but for some reason, our families often bear the brunt. There are many of you listening that have made the intentional choice to be emotionally available to your family, but then there are many others that being emotionally available can be a struggle. Now, I'm not sharing this to guilt trip you. If you're anything like me, mom guilt is heavy enough. I'm sharing this because it's the simple, although not at times not easy, but it's those simple things that build resilience. I talk about that on episode six of this podcast with the seven keys to resilience. There are so many truths and pieces of wisdom in this session. The show notes are available at hopemadestrong.org slash episode 16, and I also include the links to the handout that Dr. Chia refers to and a downloadable emotions vocabulary chart. It is really the simple, small shifts that create the most impact. So take the pressure off yourself as you listen to Dr. Chia as he shares how to build resilient families. Here is Dr. Danny Chia. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us today for our Church Mental Health Summit 2020. From wherever you are in the world, my name is Danny Chia, joining you from Melbourne, Australia. I'm a child and adolescent psychiatrist working at a public child and youth mental health service here in Melbourne that sees children and families aged 0 to 25 for a whole range of different mental health difficulties. I'll be speaking to you today on raising resilient families, bringing ideas from my clinical experience, the experience of the many families that I've learned from in my practice, as well as integrating my faith and profession. I have also had the opportunity to do talks like this in a few different countries, uh, across different cities in Australia, in the United States, um, in, from Malaysia, where, where I was from originally, in, in Thailand, in terms of helping people understand about mental health and to help people un- learn how to have good mental health through learning about resilience. Raising resilient families is the foundation for having good mental health. And this is what attracted me to working in this field in child and adolescent psychiatry because 75% of mental health issues actually start before the age of 25. This reminds us of the importance of getting help early, but also putting in place approaches that help children and families 
early on in life. And this is an especially important time to think about our mental health, especially since we know about of the social and economic impacts of crises and disasters that can affect people's mental health in a negative way. I hope that you will find something helpful for yourself and your family or friends and learn ways to have positive mental health and well-being. I'm not here today to teach you how to be a psychiatrist or psychologist in 10 minutes. I don't think that's realistic, but I'm going to talk about things that all of us can put into practice in our day-to-day -day life and you don't really need 10 degrees to actually put this to make this work. I'm going to start off by just explaining um, some of the basic frameworks or contexts that I work from. I want to refer to Genesis chapter 3, verses 6 and 7 to start us off thinking about when Adam and Eve sinned and realized their nakedness. They sewed fig leaves as coverings. And I relate this to the many things that we have in life that serve this purpose of covering our nakedness, such as the things we own, our achievements, reputation, relationships, and connections. During seasons of ups and downs in life through change and loss, these things like the fig leaves in Genesis may fall off, exposing us to a whole sense of shame that can actually be really overwhelming. And I believe that this places in a situation where we might be vulnerable to experiencing mental health difficulties. It is particularly important to be able to reflect on the things that inform our identity and to make sure that ultimately it relates to what God's word says about us, who God says we are in terms of being his children, and understand that he has placed us to be in relationship and in community with him, as well as with each other. And I think it's in this relational context that gives meaning and as Christians for us to understand resilience and hope in a meaningful way, rather than just think positively. Firstly, I'm just going to start off by defining resilience, which is really about the ability to bounce back and adapt to changes with the ups and downs in life. Sometimes we can interpret that when things go wrong in life, that's evidence of failure. But actually, when with problems and challenges around us, this, these are opportunities for us to learn new ways of coping and to grow and to learn and develop. Firstly, starting off with children, when children learn the most actually from what they observe and what they experience, more so than actually what they are told. What parents model in their own behavior, their communication, how they manage stress actually affects how children learn. This is why firstly, as, as parents or a carer, it is important that you practice self-care, having good work-life balance and having an appropriate amount of rest for yourself in order to actually care for someone else. And this may sound like an unrealistic option for a lot of people who are parents, who are stretched, or carers, who have um, juggling multiple needs and, and challenges and difficulties. But I would, I would really encourage you to really find and think about whatever it takes that you can do in terms of taking a break or giving yourself a self-care or asking for help in whatever situation that you're in so that you can reset and recharge. I have provided an infographic for you um, for free to refer to with eight practical tips on looking after your mental health, which I think will hopefully be helpful in terms of understanding your self-care and hope that you'll be able to perhaps talk about these principles over with someone that you trust and to workshop different practical ideas that work for you and be able to share those ideas with the people around you. So don't just listen to 
this information is really important and that I encourage you to take something from what we are talking about today and try and put it into practice as soon as you can. In terms of building strong family relationships, we need, to, we need to understand that children actually need security, safety, consistency in order to learn, grow and thrive. They do best in environments where there is kindness and nurturing as well as clear and consistent boundaries and structure. In order for discipline and rules though to work in a family, there also needs to be a positive relationship and a sense of joy and shared delight. There's so many things that we try and study about what predicts good outcomes for children. Is it your education? Is it their skills? Is it their social skills? But over and over, what comes out as a, one of the biggest factors in terms of the, determining outcomes in children is this importance about joy and shared delight in relationship as they grow and develop. While it's important to have rules and disciplines, it's important to get that balance right too. So for example, you want to make sure that you have regular time that you might spend with your children regardless of good and behave, good or bad behavior. And to make this time together that, that's unconditional rather than just spending time together as a, be, as a reward for good behavior. And this is the way that our God, Heavenly Father loves us and that's the way he relates to us in an unconditional love regardless of what we do or don't do, what we produce, or not produce. When there is a sense of security between the relationship between a child and a parent, the child will then feel confident to be able to explore the world around them, to learn and play, um, to be able to make friendships and use opportunities outside the family home. Strengthening relationships in the home through spending quality time, to, quality time together will help actually promote a child's ability to be confident to be resilient and cope with the challenges that happen outside the home such as at school or in other peer relationships and their, their capacity to actually deal with the ups and downs and the challenges and setbacks will be strengthened by the strength of the family relationships that they have in their day-to-day -day life. Now if you look up the web you can probably search a number of different websites for parenting tips, eight tips to do this, five tips to do that, which are actually very useful. I, I really encourage you to use those resources where you can. But one of the things I think that's most important, I think, in terms of thinking about for parents to build resilient families is to know the importance of emotional availability. Parents often work really hard to provide for their children through providing material things, educational opportunities, and as a parent, you make many, many sacrifices for this to happen. Emotional availability refers to the ability of being able to understand your child's feelings and emotions. And you can do that best when you're actually able to understand and acknowledge your own feelings first. This is the key ingredient for a parent to ensure that they can be emotionally present, not rush to the next thing, but to make sure that first of all, they're able to look after their own self-care so they can attend to the emotional needs of their child. We need to make this a priority in our day-to-day -day life, not to be in a rush, pressure or stress, because sometimes one of the best strategies to deal with challenges and difficulties is to actually take a break rather than to try harder. And if you don't remember anything else from the talk today, I'd really encourage you just to hone in on one point. If your attention span is like mine, uh, you probably only get to walk away with really one point. This is the one point that I really want to hone in on, which is the importance of what you bring as a parent in terms of your self-care, 
that allows space for emotional availability. And from that emotional availability comes the ability to relate, connect, and that is the source of resilience in children in families. Now, in terms of understanding emotions and behavior, as adults, we learn to communicate in different ways through our words, through conversations, and through our actions. Now, we need to understand that children are still in a learning process for this. In fact, actually, a lot of adults are still uh, learning to do do this. But actually, many children have yet learned the ability to express all their feelings through words. And this is why children tend to express their feelings actually through behavior. Sometimes we can place too much emphasis on just managing behavior. And it's important to understand, it's important to take time to understand the feelings that actually underline that behavior and help your child to express them in, in better ways. For example, if a child is angry and throws a tantrum, it's important to realize they aren't just angry. Typically, they might be actually feeling scared or sad underneath. These three feelings, uh, feeling angry, feeling scared, and feeling sad, are actually very strongly interconnected. That sometimes when we might show a particular behavior that expresses a particular feeling, there may be under other underlying feelings that, that's worth tapping to and tuning into to try and understand. There are many ways you can teach a child to um, express their feelings, such as you know using pictures, drawings, using playing a game, role playing, um, you know using dolls and so forth. And children tend to learn the best um, from uh, uh, through something fun through play. But what's actually one of the most powerful ways for children to learn is actually what they observe and watch. So as a parent, being able to feel comfortable or get into the practice of actually verbalizing your own feelings, um, whether it's a whole range of uh, sense of relief, joy, happiness, um, stress, frustrations, being able to use words to express that, and sometimes almost being very deliberate in expressing that in your day-to-day life, saying, oh gosh, today I felt really stressful at work, um, and I need to go for a walk just to um, relax a little bit. It's almost like you need to kind of provide a narrative, a commentary that then helps um, helps children to deliberately be able to observe and learn words that are connected to words, the different feelings, the emotions that we might have. In the day-to-day as, um, life of a child, there's a lot now in a child's life that has uh, perhaps relates to a lot of expectation that they have to meet, whether it's just school peers, the social media, and the world that we live in. A child's life is actually a lot more complicated than it used to be in terms of having to navigate so many things. In fact, recently I was standing outside my my office building and, and, and next to the bus stop, and there were a couple of young teenagers talking about the war between the United States and Iran and bombs. I don't remember talking about bombs when I was 13 years old. So there's just so much more that's challenging in, in the world that a child has to experience, number of options and choices that they have in education pathways, and it can become quite challenging. Now, obviously, we work our best to, to set children up for success in the future, but it's important to be able to get the building blocks um, right and being able to implement that as, as early as we can. Now, this comes from actually having a perspective about understanding the difference between learning to be excellent versus learning to be perfect. A lot of the times we can focus too much about learning to get things right, and a perfectionist works really hard to actually avoid mistakes, but actually learning to be excellent involves learning from mistakes rather than avoiding them. 
And one, one way to instill this early on in the child's life is to be able to notice and praise their effort rather than just the achievement. Rather than just saying, oh, well done, uh, good job, do take the time to understand the effort that has uh, been in place to be able to achieve something. So for example, if a child has drawn a picture, now whether the picture is a well-drawn picture, that's actually besides the point. Um, take the time to actually have the conversation and ask things like, oh, why have you drawn this picture? Show me, tell me what it's about. Show me what you've done. I'm, oh, I'm really interested and curious in terms of what you've done, rather than just saying, great picture, nice picture, or good or bad picture. Now, similarly for older children, praise them for the effort of trying um, rather than actually just the results that they achieve and take a lot more interest in that because that will actually foster the ability to tolerate failure rather than actually focus on outcomes and achievements. There will be so much more that we could cover today, but I really want to, uh, I guess, help us to think about the priorities in our, our families. In, 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 summary, in summary, really building, relation, building resilient families is about prioritizing relationships and understanding emotions. I hope that you'll be able to find something practical from the principles that I've described to you today, maybe talk it through with someone, um, getting feedback from someone, and maybe giving some reflections about how you might do things, having a, some thoughts about how um, perhaps you were parented when you were a younger child and how that might influence your day-to-day uh, approaches. If you were just to remember just one thing from this talk, it's important about being the important. It's really about emphasizing the importance of being able to look after yourself first before looking after someone else, including your family or your child. Although um, you would obviously put um, your child's priorities first in many many situations. In the same way that we when we after we board an airplane and we go through the safety briefing. Um, it tells us to put on the oxygen mask for ourselves before actually doing it for someone else. Um, I hope that you can also um, refer to some of the infographic that I mentioned early on in terms of um, being able to um, do things like stop, relax, be able to prioritize the things in our life, understand the different seasons, being able to um, focus on helping other people so that it takes the, the worries off our own worries. But really just in, in finishing up, I just wanted to really encourage us to remain connected in your church community or wherever that might be, because it's so important that, that we're able to do this together, um, being able to support each other through this process and not to walk any of these journeys on our own. And the more people that you surround yourself with, the more um, ideas that you might have, the more support that's available to you. And the more supported you feel socially, the more you're able to actually brainstorm different ideas and be open to, to, to new opportunities, but as well as being open to receiving help too. Thanks for joining me today. I hope you found this helpful and I, I do hope you enjoy the rest of the summit, including the next session you're going to attend. Thanks for joining me today. Um, all the best and God bless you. Hey there, thanks for listening. I encourage you to put what you've heard into action. How are you going to be intentional about building a culture of care, both for yourself and for others in your church? If you've enjoyed listening, I ask that you write a review. And if you want to be reminded when an episode goes live, make sure you follow. Thanks and take care.